This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute. Jurassic Park Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1993 film Jurassic Park Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And folks, you heard him yesterday. You know him from Jurassic June. Nate is joining us again. Nate, thank you so much for giving us your time again. Yeah, for sure. Now, Nate, uh, we kind of got an idea of what Jurassic June was yesterday, and uh, I assume we do have another one coming up in June 2017, yes? Yeah, we do. Working on some fun stuff for it. Can you tell us anything about what you've got planned, or is it, or is it going to be a surprise? Or... <laughs> good grief. I hope the answer to the question I've been fighting to get in it's here not, is no, it's Brady. Not that good. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so last June, uh, we, we released an iPhone game, an Android game called Jurassic Jump Adventure. It's super freaking hard. Um, <laughs> the dude I worked with that helped me build it, he, he just made it too hard. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so um, it was fun. It was a cool, cool opportunity. So that last year was really like insane, like just getting gearing up for that. Um, so this year I'm coming up with a couple different things. Um, if, you, uh, if you go to our website, JurassicGene.com, I actually came up with this kind of ridiculous idea. Basically figured out a way to sell people a plastic cup for $20. Um, <laughs> and so um, I, I call it the T-Rex alarm. And so basically, yeah. uh, I, uh, being a graphic designer, I, I recreated the packaging from Jurassic Park, uh, all the toy line, uh, you know, the Kenner stuff. And yeah, packaged up a plastic cup and called it the T-Rex alarm. And, you know, it's just kind of one of those goofy novelty kind of things. The, the back actually says, congratulations, you're the now a proud owner of a plastic cup. <laughs> so, <laughs> With the T-Rex alarm, man, you got that the packaging down, the kind of packaging they used to use for the uh, action figures and stuff. Yeah. And I seriously would have thought at first that it was an actual, you know, not <laughs> yeah, just a gag there, gift. Yeah, there's like, the you know, there's uh, Facebook communities, Jurassic toy fan clubs, etc. And, you know, every once in a while it'll pop up there, but dude, is this something like, how did I not see this back in 1993? <laughs> like, you know, I, this is a real thing. And, and so to me, that tells me like, A, uh, I did a pretty good job with it. And B, I might be a little bit on the copyright infringement, but you know, <laughs> it's the, well, it's the line I walk. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talked a little bit earlier about, uh, your, the first time you saw Jurassic Park, you had to be removed from the theater because it was too scary of an experience. <laughs> yep, and you saw yep. the Charles Grodin classic Beethoven second. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, tell us, a li- tell us a little bit more about kind of, I guess the next time or, you know, when you were older and got to revisit it, where, where did your passion for Jurassic Park begin? Yeah, I've always loved it. Um, we grew up with the toys, all the Kenner toy line. Um, and then later in life, probably I was like 18, 19, I'd moved out of my parents' house, went to went back and said, you know, hey, dad, can I get my, you know, bucket of Jurassic Park toys that are upstairs? And he goes, oh, I sold those at a garage sale. Oh, no. Like, no! <laughs> and so um so that's kind of that started the quest uh back to uh to kind of collecting i'm definitely not like a mega super collector um but i've had some pretty big scores the, the biggest was a guy on craigslist a couple years back um he's, he he just wrote on the craigslist ad 
I have some Jurassic Park toys, $500 oboe. <laughs> and I was like, what, what, what does this dude have that he's going to sell it for 500 bucks? And, uh, yeah. and I, and I went over there and uh, I talked him down to 400 bucks cause he had the mother load, dude. It was awesome. Like really? over, over 400 different pieces, all of it mint condition. He just, he loaded up a bunch of, you know, those, uh, 30 gallon tubs. He uh yeah. he had like five or six of those, and I put them all. Oh, in wow! My little CRV <laughs> and took yeah. off, dude. It was awesome. So yeah, just been a collector, big fan. Um, and like I said, it was it's always kind of been there. But then when Dad sold all my stuff, it was a quest to get everything back. And then I was yeah. like, hey, this is kind of fun. I like this. So uh, you know, the the challenge, the the hunt kind of thing. So. Um, Absolutely, yeah, it's, uh, and it's very cool that you can it. spend that passion out to uh, to other people through Jurassic June, and that people have been able yeah. to kind of like feed off of that, you know, of your passion. So it's very cool. Yeah, it's fun. It, anytime a, a hobby can at least just pay for itself a little bit is, yeah. is a uh-huh. win, you know. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, hobbies are great. You know, sinking hundreds of dollars into you know children's toys is is uh, <laughs> one thing. But when uh, yeah, like, and so that's definitely not the end game. It, it's is not to just make tons of money by any stretch. I wouldn't be doing it if I was. Um, but, uh, it, that helps and it's, it's, it's fun to feed it. I, I mean, anything I really make, which is pennies just feeds back into it and just to give back and do more fun stuff for the fans. So that's kind of yeah. what it's all about. Um, awesome. Oh, it's very cool. And we definitely thank you for taking that passion and sharing it with us here on the show today. It's been uh, really cool having you on here. So yeah, this is a lot of fun. All right. Well, you guys ready to get into minute number one sixteen? Yeah. Let's do it. In the previous minute, we saw Lex, Tim, Ellie, and Grant make their escape from a raptor. As the minute ended, they made their way through an air duct. At minute 116, Grant finds and opens up an AC grate. We can see that they are right above the T-Rex skeleton at the visitor center. At 116.08, Grant hops down onto scaffolding and helps the kids get their footing. As everyone makes their way to the lower level, we hear a raptor screech. Tim looks up and makes eye contact with a raptor. At 116.20, the raptor shrieks at the survivors again. They do not hesitate to leap from the scaffolding onto the dinosaur skeletons hanging below them. The raptor, too, leaps onto the skeleton, causing it to break apart and spin around. Ellie grips onto a broken section of the tail for dear life. Lex holds on to the vertebrae of a brachiosaur as it spins out of control. Grant and Tim and the raptor cling to the ribcage. At 116.45, Grant lets Tim slip to the floor below. Tim looks up to see the skeleton support begin to crack and fall from the ceiling. Lex and Ellie safely fall to the floor below. Ellie is showered by tailbones. The brachiosaur ribcage breaks up and falls onto Tim below, caging him within rib bones. And thus ends minute 116 of Jurassic Park. So again, we get another extension of the action sequence before. They're now out of the air ducts, and I really think that they kind of get inventive here at the very end and pretty creative with that, uh, you know, those dinosaur skeletons that we saw set up at the very beginning of the film. And, you know, it's a real... That visitor center has a real cool look to it. You know, we're hanging on it just enough earlier in the movie where they get there. It seems like this huge, big set that was built for some sort of purpose. So it's really cool that they get to revisit it. And I don't think I've seen anything before, or at least up until this point, uh, 
where people are running around on top of like a dinosaur skeleton. You know, uh, yeah. I think it, they used to say that Hitchcock would build an entire film around just one sequence, and he'd tell his writers to just create something around that. And I know whenever he did North by Northwest, he went to his writers and he was like, "I had this idea of people running across Mount Rushmore. You guys make a movie from there." And this seems like one of the sequences that whenever they took Jurassic Park, they came up with this and built the entire ending of the movie around it. You know, so. Um, but yeah. yeah, Brady, what do you think about this about this minute? Uh, you know, the the action sequence taking place across the back of the brachiosaur here. Man, we pick up uh, perfectly where we left off, and it's they they do a really good job of. Okay, first off, I'm glad that they are sort of finishing you know things up here in part of where the movie got started. And I always like that. I guess it's poetic justice where you're going to come back to something that was pivotal at the beginning. It just sort of makes sense. Um, I'm really, I'm impressed that they took the, the time to make sure that we knew what time of day it is because the lighting in the room now is so different because it's like, you know, beginning, uh, of evening or something. And if you notice all the lighting in there is kind of yellow. Uh, so I think it's really cool that they, you know, took that attention to detail and made sure that was done right. Uh, the Raptor. It's reveal right here is one of the biggest jump scares, I think, in the movie. And it's not really doing anything. It's The camera just kind of catches it. It blends in with the, the skeleton. And as soon as you hear it, it's almost like you've been looking at it for a second or two and you didn't even notice. Uh, this is another example of where we see the raptor's cunning. This is the same one from the control room. So he had sense enough to know how to cut them off and knew where they were going. And, you know, was somehow able to get there before them. So, uh... You know, it's it's just another example of the Raptors cunning and the fact that they're using simple editing to to get these things across. So, um, yeah. I, you know, another thought that I have is, uh, <laughs> and this is kind of cheap, but do you think there's any sort of symbolism or analogy of the fact that we're now climbing on skeletons of dinosaurs? We've got living dinosaurs chasing them across us. The skeletons are coming apart, or is it just a cool set, you know, set piece? Uh, I think it probably, I, 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 yeah, I think there's probably something to that. I think that, you know, uh, that especially, you know, they have the whole setup of the, you know, when dinosaurs ruled the earth thing from the very beginning of it, you know? So I think there's definitely for them to have that banner fall down here in the next minute and just kind of like showcase like, oh, this is what di- it was like when dinosaurs ruled the earth. And now they're kind of ruling it again here. You know, this is the alpha predator. So I definitely think that there was... It serves as a very cool action sequence, you know, like a set piece for that whole thing. But it also serves the kind of dual meaning of the fact that these dinosaurs are alive again. You know, or this, these aren't really dinosaurs, but the recreation yeah. of these dinosaurs, you know. So but, these uh, skeletons represent the fact that dinosaurs once were, and now that doesn't matter. These skeletons can fall away because it's like Grant's point in the beginning. It was our careers are over. You know, we serve mm-hmm. no purpose in this field anymore because they're, why... why just try and discover something that's still here. It doesn't make any right. sense. So uh, I guess you could attribute it to that too. Nate, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I love the sequence. I love that, uh, you know, I mean, it's almost the full minute without any dialogue until um, that very end. And, and it's just, it relies heavily on the action. But I think it works so well. You know, these are clearly, uh, at least I think for the most part in this entire minute, uh, all digital uh, animations. They're not the, you know, they're not the puppets, I believe. And so, yeah. you know, 
to for the actors to jump on that stuff things are moving you know falling etc like it just it it's perfect for them to do a great job and they did a great job of of uh you know acting in this and being terrified and something's chasing you know because they're actually pieces and parts moving you know etc um i'm sure there's stunt stunt doubles but um yeah it, just overall i think it works it's it's really um it's cool i would like to know i i've always wondered i guess how far the original thought the, the original ending that they had thought um you know like we said earlier with uh hammond coming in and just shooting the raptors like did it get this far you know like was this kind of a forethought like right. to come back here all the time or was that somewhere else and uh yeah i think i think you hit the the nail on the head with the the banner that falls when dinosaurs ruled the earth that kind of thing you know it's yeah. uh it's it's just uh, that imagery there. That so. yeah, and that that really is the best way to end this whole scenario is a dinosaur having the final say, and not somebody shooting some raptors. And another <laughs> idea was that Grant was gonna get on some kind of rigging that was controlling the uh, how the skeletons were being hung up to the ceiling or whatever. And then the, the jaws were going to of the T-Rex skeleton were going to crash around right, the raptor. Right. Just didn't really say anything. That might've been really a little bit anything. too much on the nose. Yeah. 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 And then there's and, the book ending, which is, you know, Grant, I think, doesn't he put like some sort of explosive or poison in like eggs or something like that? Yeah. Just not fit for, you know, a very cinematic ending. So, right. Um, you know, it's, it, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, I think that guy, Steven Spielberg, knows a thing or two about finishing a movie strong. You know? Oh, totally. <laughs> I yeah. was just about to say exactly what you just said. In the ending of Jaws, it was going to be the shark just sort of like dies from exhaustion, right. like it, like in the book. But he said, no, you got to have a big shebang. You've got to have your hero like really yeah. get the beast here. And so he came up with the idea of Brody shooting the air tank and then a big explosion for a big, you know. So, you know, um, and, and that was an idea that came in the game very, very, very late. In fact, I think it was probably around the time that they were actually shooting this whole sequence. And he was like, look, well, hold on, let's rethink this. Let's rethink this. We got to have the, the T-Rex come in. But um, to jump back, uh, it's, I've never really thought about it until now. The complexity of the sequencing of getting the skeletons to come apart and swing in certain directions at certain times. So the stunt doubles and the actors knew when to fall onto the ground at what point they were going to do that. The coordination that had to go through with the stunt doubles to really get this shot because they have to get on the Brachiosaur back and then they have to have the thing detach and spin apart from each other. And then everybody has to safely be on their portion of the skeleton. And then on top of that, we have to believe that the Raptor is on there as well. And yeah. one part of this when I was watching it that I'd kind of forgotten about was whenever Tim gets down on the scaffolding, he spins around and looks, and he's eye-to-eye -eye with the Velociraptor. And I, I think that's an animatronic Velociraptor that screens at him at that point, and then it takes over to the CG when jumping onto the, onto the body, onto the Brachiosaur ribcage. But, you know, to have uh, the stunt doubles there, the, the skeletons split apart, and then everybody's spinning on their own part, this had to be a very complicated scene to shoot. And I think it's really kind of a miracle that the next this and the next couple of minutes come together as well as they do. You know, that we're not really... 
you know, it's it's all feasible. Like like this in this universe, what's going on here could totally happen. Even though when you think about this, and given the context of reality, it's completely ridiculous. You know, like they're on yeah. this uh, this dinosaur skeleton hanging from the ceiling. It breaks apart, starts to spin around, and then everybody lands to the ground safely. You know, it's just uh, it's it's ridiculous, but it doesn't matter because in the movie, when you're watching it, you're completely caught up in it. And it makes sense to you. So uh, it's also, and I wanted to re- restate that. I think this is a great use of the economy of setting up that visitor center earlier on in the movie because you know we see it when we go in initially then we see it again when uh, you know they're leaving and Tim and Lex are introduced and then later on in the movie Grant shows up to it and it's completely empty and you kind of so far, it's been associated with joyous things, you know, like getting to the majesty of seeing these dinosaur skeletons and then setting a very scary action sequence in it kind of plays on the other side of that. So, again, I, I it's a little bit of subversion of what happened in the earlier scenes. I don't know how much of that they planned, but it's just uh, the other side of the coin of the set is that it's a very it could be very scary as well. So, yeah, I, I yeah. love it. I think it's a uh, very well shot. You know, the coordination of the stunts on it works really well. And. Again, uh, kind of sets us up for an amazing, awesome, over-the-top ending here in a second. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah very cool. Definitely. So. Well, that's all I've got. Yeah, that's all I've got as well. So we'll go ahead and wrap this minute up. And uh, Nate, if you got time, uh, we'd love to have you on for one more minute of the. Uh, well, not another minute, but another episode if you've got <laughs> enough time for that. So, uh, yeah, for sure. Awesome. It's been a lot of fun having you on here. So, all right, folks, well, join us again tomorrow for minute number 117 uh, for Nate and for Brady and myself, Kyle. Until next time, hold on to your butts. Jurassic Park Minute is a fan-supported podcast. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at JurassicParkMinute.com, Facebook.com slash JurassicParkMinute, and twitter.com slash Jurassic Minute. You've been listening to a Pele Media Podcast. For premium content and exclusive podcasts, visit us at patreon.com slash Pele Media. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pele Media, and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Pele Media.